All right. Welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building accessible businesses or products, advocating for inclusion or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but amplify their voice and help you create more inclusive environments. Today, we are joined by Mackenzie Edinger. In March of 2022, at uh, only 23 years old, Mackenzie opened her business, Inclusion Coffee Company. She graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater with a degree in early childhood and special education, and through her involvement with organizations like Best Buddies, formulated the idea for a business that would emphasize hiring a diverse workforce, providing meaningful employment to individuals with disabilities. Uh, hopefully that did it justice, but uh, Mackenzie, thanks for joining me today to talk about your business. Of course. Uh, so I heard about your company, um, might've been through LinkedIn, um, might've been through social media in some regard and uh, reached out last week. We hadn't interacted prior to that. So, uh, but your story is in many ways, similar to mine. Uh, I opened my first business, an inclusive fitness center when I was 23 after graduating with a degree in special education, uh, but deciding that I want to pursue something outside of the classroom. So I guess the first thing that kind of came to mind um, was at what point did you decide that you didn't want to necessarily teach that you want to do something else? I think it was actually through my master's program. So after I got a degree in special ed, I definitely still wanted to do something with that um, diverse population. So I went and got my master's in administration, um, thinking maybe one day I'll be a special ed director or something along those lines. Um, and while doing that, I actually saw a coffee shop on the East Coast that does very similar things to what we do. Um, and just thinking about that, I was like, there's nothing in our community that has anything that is doing something like that. Um so really, it was a quick process. I was like, we can start something up like this. There's coffee shops in the area. There's a lot of people I know from high school um, that would love to work there. So it was kind of just a quick, let's let's pull this together and see what we can do. What was your first exposure to inclusion or disabilities? It would have been in high school. Um, I joined a club called Best Buddies, where you kind of partner with an individual with a disability, um, take them shopping to the mall, kind of whatever they want to do. Um, and just like indulge them in everyday life. Yeah. And so are you still uh, involved or acquainted with the your best buddy? We do a lot of, um, we get a lot of best buddies programs from the area. So like from local schools, they'll come in um, and have like class there just like for a daily field trip. Um, so I guess I'm not really part of it, but we do see a lot of programs come in. Yeah. For me, I think there was at some point during my student teaching where like the rigidity of special education uh, deterred is a little too strong of a word, but it uh, wasn't as appealing to me as maybe having some more flexibility to like build relationships with the individuals and kind of get them in an environment outside of this like rigid and flexible ABA type of environment. And that's where I like want to combine my interest in fitness and my interest in inclusion to like come up with my gym and there wasn't really a model to follow. So I was curious if like you mentioned the uh, the restaurant out on the East Coast, were you able to learn anything from them or did they just kind of give you the foresight that it might be possible? Yeah, so I didn't visit them before I opened. I kind of just saw it online, did a little bit of research. Um, they actually do theirs a little bit differently. So there's one manager and then everyone else um, that is working has a disability. So there, a lot of their stuff is very easy to navigate, a lot of push buttons, a lot of um, just easier equipment, 
where we have the equipment that's at just any ordinary coffee shop and they're learning how to use that. So they're building their skill set, um, learning how to steam milk, learning how to pour the espresso, learning how to take orders and write on cups. Um, so we kind of took it one step further. We have a ton of food. They learn how to make food. Um, so just one step further than they did. There, theirs was kind of like the the stepping stone of how do we start and then what can we build off of that? Did you always think it was going to be a coffee shop when you had like your vision of creating an inclusive business? I think I only went that route is because I saw other places doing um, coffee shops. I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I don't, I don't know. So I think it was just, they, they did a coffee shop. They made it work. Um, kind of why switch it? But I, there's a lot of, a ton of other businesses that you could totally open doing the same thing. I mean, even you doing it, having a gym, um, a lot of our employees go to a gym around here too that I don't know if it's like based on or like their trainers only focus on that or there's just a few of them that go there and they use the same trainer. I'm not really sure, um, but I do know that a lot of them go to the same place. I actually met someone last week. I was giving a presentation to a nonprofit and there was a, a student from University of Wisconsin there for the event and she said that uh, they have a adaptive fitness minor at the university which was the first okay. time I had heard of that so that's pretty cool she said she was minoring in that yeah um so we connected and talked about like kind of how I opened my gym and stuff like that but yeah. um I think for me it was a lot of like learning on the fly did you come from any restaurant experience or yeah I worked in restaurants um I had no business background I didn't take any business classes I nothing like that um, so a lot of it was kind of like you said on the fly, a lot of a lot of Google, a lot of using people that you know that either own businesses or have worked in the business industry, um, kind of where we are. So yeah, a lot of it was learning on the on the fly for sure. For me, sometimes it felt like almost an advantage because I was so fixated on uh, being concerned about not knowing that I what I was doing that I dedicated so much time I guess to learning so I wonder if there's some degree of like where being naive is beneficial because you're like dedicated to figuring out a solution instead of approaching it through a lens of thinking that you already have all the answers right or like just reading a textbook I mean I always say that you don't learn everything that you need to know in school so reading a textbook doesn't always help so just kind of learning it as you go and I mean there's gonna be mistakes but I think it's better that way. Are there a lot of uh, coffee shops and kind of like competitors in your area? Or? Um, I always say we don't really have competitors because no one really does the same thing that we do um, in our area. There's a few in Wisconsin that do have similar missions to us. Um, nothing super close. I mean, everything's like over an hour away. But um, there, I mean, there's quite a few coffee shops in our area. Yeah. But I always say, like, if people want to go to Starbucks, they're going to go to Starbucks. Um, if they want to come to Inclusion, they're going to come to Inclusion. So, yeah. Can you, like, separate the mission? Is there, like, can you think of a way that you've differentiated yourself beyond uh, the unique aspect of employing people with disabilities? Do you have any other, like, competitive advantage? Or do you think people support it because of that mission? I think we have more food than a lot of our ones in the area. Um, I mean, we do full breakfast and lunch. We have take and make pizzas, which no one else has. Um, but I think just our food, our food menu is far exceeds anyone else that's anywhere close to us. So 
what have uh what's been the process of like hiring someone with a disability for you um do you guys have a a formal interview process or do you partner with local organizations or we do an interview um it's not anything formal or long or in-depth um it's kind of with the individual and then the parent um it's just kind of asking like have you had a job what are you like what have you done at that job kind of seeing like their skills um kind of what they think they're really good at and what they might need help on if they need any additional support. Um, but we don't have, I mean, it kind of just depends. We have so many different and unique individuals that we kind of make their day-to-day like special to them. Um, so we make, make sure that they're doing what they want to do when they're there and not putting them too far out of their comfort zone, but still making them try, try new things. Can you identify some of the like relative strengths that your employees with disabilities have that maybe uh, their non-disabled peers don't or where you think they kind of um, yeah. have advantages? I think a lot of like memorization, a lot of our staff with um, disabilities really like focus in on the people that they see every day, um, get excited when they come in. They think it's funny when they can like memorize their order and then they'll say it back to them because they usually get the same thing. Um and just their friendliness. I mean, we all have bad days, but I swear they're always happy and they want they want to be there. They're proud to be there. Um, so I think that's something, too, that just makes my day, probably your day, too, just happier and exciting. Yeah, I can envision that they probably are more committed than many people that are working a job like a coffee shop. Like, they, they probably value that role more than some people would yeah I always say like they're super proud when they walk in the door um a lot of our parents are the ones that get them there so we can't really say like they get themselves there on time but it is I mean they still need to get themselves up and ready and to the door and get in the car so it's still um still on them to be ready for work on time and get there on time if you don't mind me asking how is the business structured is it a like a for-profit entity or is it a non-profit? We are for-profit. for-profit. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, I like that a lot because it's actually one of the things that like I've written about in the past is how a lot of organizations that support people with disabilities are always non-profits. So people just assume that it's like a lesser service or they just assume that all individuals with disabilities have to get this like charity type of yeah, mindset uh, dedicated. Yeah. So it's uh, it's cool to see when businesses are for profits and how they're demonstrating why inclusion is a beneficial aspect of their business and not just like an aspect of goodwill. So um, that that's really great to see. Are there and it's something that I'm not too familiar with, but I know a lot of young adults with disabilities, there's specific like uh, social uh, social security like thresholds for how much they can work and still receive their benefits is that something that you guys have kind of run into? Like people are only able to work a certain number of hours? Yeah, we're actually running into that right now. Um, I mean, a lot of our staff doesn't work a ton of hours. It's usually like five to 10 a week, maybe. Yeah. Um, but some have second jobs. And so they, I mean, I don't really deal with that. I say that's kind of like, I mean, I don't see any of their benefits or their social security that they already have. Um, so that's kind of on the parent, but I mean, we pay them what we pay them, um, which is actually above minimum wage in our state. Um, everyone starts at that. And then it is a lot 
when it comes to social security and benefits. I mean, they're getting less money from the government because they are making more money, which I don't understand the whole thing. I think it's kind of a backwards process Um, and they get tips. So then that's also reflected on what they make and it just kind of messes everything up and I don't know. I think it's just kind of backwards. Yeah, there is some, like I mentioned, I'm not too well versed in all the intricacies of it, but I know there is some legislation that's being pushed to kind of raise that because it like disincentivizes people with disabilities from working. So it's, it's a, like you said, a little backwards in that regard. Um, but there's also not a lot of opportunities. There's not many people doing what you're doing. So uh, there is that necessity for people with disabilities to be supported with that supplementary income. Uh, but it would be great right. to get to the point where more businesses are like yours. Yeah. And some of like the parent, I mean, it depends on the family too. The individual I'm thinking of has two jobs. Parents are both still working. Um, another employee that I have, his parents are retired. So he can make as much money as he likes. Uh, another employee, his dad is also disabled. So he's on his dad's disability. So he can also make as much money. So it's kind of just how your family is too. And if your parents are older, if they're younger and if they're still working, it just, it all just is so individualized. Yeah. What are you hoping that the next few years looks like for the business or um, in general? Um, We're hoping to have another one. Um, We're looking, we've been talking to someone in our state actually to franchise. Um, So that's kind of our first, our first go at it. Um, We definitely want to spread, spread inclusion and spread the mission and, um, kind of get the message out there more than it is. Um, so having more inclusions, more businesses that run with individuals with disabilities, the better. Yeah. Do you think it's a pretty repeatable model? Cause that's one of the, like, we were kind of at a similar juxtaposition with my gym where like, we would love to have another location because we've identified that there's not a lot of gyms dedicated for people with disabilities, um, to be included amongst their, uh, mainstream peers, but like, um, taking that leap to opening a second location and all the uncertainties that come with it. If you're not able to like be on site all the time, uh, finding the right people to run it, like um, a coffee shop's definitely a little different because there's probably more clear systems in terms of what equipment to buy and what process to follow. But uh, I guess what would be your biggest concerns with opening a second location? Um, I think we started out by saying I was going to open a second one and then we were going to franchise off the second one. Um, And I kind of backtracked that and I was like, well, why don't we just help someone else open one that's technically a franchise that I really don't need to, I mean, I can't put myself and you can't put yourself in two places at once. So kind of letting someone else run it off your model, um, I think would be easier just in like the early stages. Obviously they would be our first one. So I would help them more and definitely make an effort to make it up there. I mean, it's not close to the area, but just make it up there a few times a month to help and see what's going on, make sure everything's kind of, I guess, up to your standards and what, what you kind of started. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where like, you probably care so much about your business. I care so much about mine and we're care, we're concerned about the quality that it's going to be delivered with. So uh, for me, that's one of the biggest hurdles to get over. It's just, I guess, letting go of some of that responsibility and giving it to someone else. Yeah. Which is hard. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think? It's a question that we ask um, most of the guests and and sometimes it's related to fitness, but uh, maybe we can 
make it more geared towards like business. Um, what do you think employers could do to be more inclusive or what do you think businesses could do to be more inclusive? I, mean, I don't necessarily think that businesses say we don't hire people with disabilities. I don't think that's ever like a clear rule or whatever you want to call it, but I think it's just important to have I don't know, diverse abilities in your workplace. Um, they teach you things just like you can teach them. I mean, they they come in with things that I've never heard of before and it's accurate and it's, I don't know. I just feel like kind of going out of that comfort zone and letting people that you wouldn't think um, could do the job. I don't know just like giving them a chance and letting them kind of show, show you what skills they do have. Yeah. I think like to you and I, it seems obvious, but if people haven't had that prior exposure to it, um, I think sometimes the fear. I was going to say, they might be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's like, I think it's important to have businesses like yours demonstrating um, the value of it and the delivery of it. Uh, so hopefully more companies uh, like yours. Have you seen maybe in different industries um, other people that kind of employ a lot of clients with disabilities or not? I always, employees? when we first opened, I always said like they're not just going to be washing tables and cleaning the bathrooms and doing all that because that's what you do see. I mean, you see them at restaurants bussing tables, you see them bagging groceries, which is great. I mean, some of them really do like that. I mean, we have an employee that loves bagging groceries at Piggly Wiggly, like that's his favorite thing to do outside of inclusion. Um, but I just think that there's so much more that they can learn and they're kind of like stuck in that. I feel comfortable here. So I'm going to stay doing this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, yeah, I see them at pick and save. I see them at restaurants. I mean, that would, I would say that's probably it. Yeah. Finding ways, I guess, to leverage their strengths. Um, yeah. I think, Again, maybe it's just uh, an aspect of not being exposed to people with disabilities. You just assume that every characteristic or every skill that they possess is a deficit, whereas as you've experienced and as I've experienced, uh, they do have relative strengths in some areas that make them great at certain roles. And it's just making sure that you place them in those roles. Exactly. Um, well, Mackenzie, it was good to hear about the business. Uh, be look forward to seeing if you get the second location up and running. Um, if people want to find you on Instagram online, um, is there a, a handle that you guys use? Yeah. Facebook, we have a page inclusion coffee company. Um, in, uh, Instagram is the same inclusion coffee company. Um, and then our website is inclusioncoffeecompany.com. So you can see all our menus and our merch and everything online and check us out. Awesome. And maybe, uh, maybe someone who listens will be interested in, uh, maybe opening a, a franchise outside yeah, of Wisconsin you so that you can go nationwide. So, all right, Mackenzie, thanks again for joining me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you use. And if you would like to learn more about Adaptex, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptex.org. Until next Monday.